Welcome to PharmaTalk Radio. We are delighted to share a presentation from the Patients as Partners Europe Conference on how to make patient involvement systematic and sustainable throughout medicine's development. This discussion was led by Bettina Real, founder at Melanoma Patient Network Europe, with Nicola Bedlington, Secretary General at European Patients Forum, Nicholas Brook, CEO at PFMD, and Irmi Galmeyer, Senior International Health Policy Leader, Patient Relations at F. Hoffman La Roche. Please note that the upcoming Patients as Partners Europe event is taking place January 28th and 29th at the Millennium Gloucester Hotel in London. Enjoy the podcast. So you see the slide has changed already. Actually, uh, Bettina, who I introduced before, uh, here, you know, I talk about people who I respect dearly. Actually, everyone on this panel I know personally on the next one. And I have a lot of respect and time for every one of them. Uh, Nicola, where is Nicola Bedington? I had seen her before. Here she is, exactly. She gets her mic. Um, she is the Secretary General of the European Patients Forum. I believe we all know her. Um, she's also a member of Patient Focused Medicines Development. Very, very passionate and super knowledgeable also, if you want, on the Brussels side of things. Nicola Brook, who is the Chief Executive Medi uh, Officer of PFMD. Um, which we kicked off a couple of years, and I think we've gone huge, huge, huge progress. We've seen huge progress, and I'm very glad that he's here. And Irmi, Irmi Galmeyer, who is from Hoffman-La Roche, and uh, she's the Senior International House Policy Leader for Patient Relations. So I'll turn it over to you, and I look forward to a really good panel on how to make patient involvement systemic and sustainable. So hopefully everybody's mic'd up. I'll go off stage, and then we take it from there. Thanks for that, Tony. As I briefly alluded to earlier on, this session, which will be slightly shorter because we have, A, less time, second, we have already touched upon some of the points early on, will now focus on the real challenges and what people have seen over time. Because it's all nice and well, and I think especially this audience agrees that there's value in engaging with patients and that patients can tell us a lot of things that we didn't know or didn't anticipate before. So I'm very, very happy to sit uh, here today with my <laughs> two other co-panelists. And I'm, I think we're going to like, I'm, I'm, I think this the combination is like, is, is going to make for an interesting discussion. I will briefly introduce my perspectives, why I think this is, this is going to be fun. And then by that time, we hopefully have everyone on mics. So we have been discussing or we have been thinking about different problem areas. Something that was already mentioned earlier on was the cultural change within a company. And I think EME has, I don't think, I know EME has a very dedicated opinion on that. And I think that's going to be interesting to hear from her experience how she sees cultural change happen within a large company, which Roche definitely is. So now patient engagement is a quite fluffy term, and we have already heard that patient communities differ largely, and that also problems in patient communication or in patient situations differ. So that means that one size does not fit all patient engagement or patient product, if you want. And this is something Nicola has been spending quite some time on, and he will talk a bit about like strategy and how to think and line up interactions with patients to come to create a holistic picture instead of like a, like a one-point interaction. And last but not least, we have said a couple of times that 
education is critical, and I think David made the point that it is raising to the challenge and educating yourself. And uh, I think uh, there's hardly any person better in Europe than uh, speaking about like uh, something that EPF has been very, very passionate about, and we are now thankful we'll keep um, driving. Namely, a project that I think we Europeans are rightfully proud to have, which is the European Patients Academy for Therapeutical Innovation, which effectively is a 14-month training program for patients and patient advocates in R&D. And I don't think anywhere else in the world there's such a project. Do you know by now whether someone has copied it by now? I mean, the tools are available, but um, from, it's, it's coming. But from my personal experience from our network, we have now the fifth and the sixth, sixth advocate on this program, and it has made a whole a lot of a difference. So if you're from industry and you're not supporting this project yet or you haven't heard from this project yet, I would strongly recommend you start with that. But I'd like to start like with an overview picture, Nicola. So patient engagement, if you hear that term, what are your thoughts on it? And you've been drilling deep on that topic. If you could share that with us. Sure. I mean, I've seen... No, I'm like, sorry, Nicola. Yes, I'm sorry, Nicola. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're looking at me. There's <laughs> always a confusion. I, Same name. Sure, sure, <laughs> we should have Go ahead, please. please. <laughs> sorry, you can thanks, Nicola. Sorry. Well, uh, <laughs> I just didn't realise so indeed, we, we started to work with the patient-focused medicine development two years ago, uh, just a bit more than two years ago. And when we talk about patient engagement, um, with the two years now, we started like we have to show evidence and so on, but it's, there is the evidence now. There is the evidence that uh, there are better patient outcomes, that it's a faster, better innovation, that the healthcare systems are more efficient. There are plenty of evidence. It's, it's popping up everywhere. There are publications, there is a return on engagement, there are plenty of things out there. And so it's, to my, to my view, it's not about the, the evidence anymore. And um, despite the fact that, so not only patient engagement is the right thing to do, but it's also beneficial for everybody. And when I mean everybody, it's not only the patient, it's also the pharma industry, it's the HTEs, it's the regulator, it's the whole healthcare system that benefit from patient engagement. However, it's still a very fragmented environment. There, we, there, we, there is no norm. Uh, it's not the norm. We talked about the pocket uh, of uh, good practices here and there, but also the mediocrity sometimes. We, as PFMD, where we are mapping all initiatives about patient engagement, it's very difficult to understand how really qualitative is an initiative. Uh, so we are developing metrics and uh, assessment systems, self-assessment systems that we make available. But it's, it, the, the, the problem here is that uh, we have fragments of patient engagement everywhere. And so we sometimes have globe trotters like Bettina or Jan Geisler that run around the world uh, to make patient engagement happen. We have great advocates like Nicola, also globe trotters as well. Uh, but it's, it's still, it, there is really a... We don't need to have super men and women uh, to make this happen. And so the idea of PFMD, Patient Focused Medicine Development, is to take a systematic approach to make patient engagement happen. And so for that, we need three things. The first thing is the capacity to deliver. And when we talk about capacity, there is, of course, capacity on the patient side, but we talk about capacity from all stakeholders. Uh, and it's really not only the patients. The, there is a gap really in industry, with regulators and HTAs. Nobody knows exactly on how to do it. And again, there is no norm. Uh, there is, uh, so that's the first uh, pillar. Then there is the, the methodology. 
you have decided you want to do it, you have the capacity to do it, but how, is, how you do it? Because uh, you cannot have methodologies for each company, each stakeholder in the US, in the EU, in each country in the EU. So how can we find a minimum of coherence? Uh, Tony was showing the different, it's not a question of different points in time, so it has to be coherent and integrated. Uh, so that's the, the second pillar. And then uh, finally, the, the third pillar is the sustainability. So we have a methodology, we have capacity, but how, what is the model where actually it's not a huge commitment from the patients uh, or there is no conflict of interest uh, at different time uh, in, the, in the process? So how we make the whole system sustainable and how we respect the resource, as um, David mentioned. And so to achieve that, it's such a complex issue that it's not only making the big machine aligned as one organization. Uh, it's making the whole system aligned. And so that's the goal uh, of PFMD, and that's where we are developing tools to, to make that happen. And so collaboration uh, on the single question, uh, what is the priority? It's not, it will be different for each disease, each region, so the priorities will be always different. The one thing that has to start is actually start the collaboration to understand the perception and the needs from the patient very early, very early on so you can focus on the priority for that community. And I think if, we have, if there is one answer, that's, that is this one. So um, I will just finish on, on saying that it's a very evolving field. Uh, nobody has a magic bullet yet. Uh, and so uh, FDA was uh, commenting on that very uh, recently. So it's something that will move on. But it's the right thing to do, and it's proven that uh, actually there is a positive impact on all stakeholders. Thank you. Thanks, Nicola, for that. I mean, I think the point in there is like that it has to be systemic is really important. I think we're going to discuss, we're going to take this up afterwards. But you mentioned capacity, and I think we're just like have now the two perspectives of stakeholders. So, Nicola, <laughs> Nicola, <laughs> if you could share with us like the motivation for your party and a bit of context around it, that would be great. Absolutely. Thank you, Bettina, for the introduction. Um, from our perspective as EPF, patient education and patient engagement have to go hand in hand. You can't actually make one happen effectively without, without the other. We all know that we need to ensure that patients acquire the right knowledge and skills in medicines R&D to complement their unique experiences. They can really contribute to the optimum, to the entire process. And we've heard about this this morning. It's not about a little ad hoc patient input here and there. It needs to be through the entire life cycle of medicines from identifying unmet need right at the beginning through to pharmacovigilance, real-world evidence collection. Otherwise, we risk to fail, and then we're failing our communities. And you said it so beautifully. We cannot afford that. Upati was and is a game-changer, not just in terms of the tangibles, and David told us about the certificate-level course where many, many patient leaders are benefiting, have graduated and are really making an impact. The toolbox, now available in 10 languages, reaching 340,000 individual users at the last count. And, and Upati is going global. There's real interest in Brazil, in the US, in Japan, in India, so we're moving we're moving with, with UPATI, but it's not just the tangibles. During the lifetime of UPATI as an IMI project, I think we were able to establish that partnerships are absolutely critical and develop a level of trust to those cynics out there that say, oh, patient engagement, it's just about 
basically companies selling more expensive products. It's not about that. And I think that was a big message that we managed to get across in time. We felt it was so important as an IMI project that we've actually made it part of an EPF programme, a central EPF programme to continue the riches and the fruits of UPATI as an IMI project which finished at the end of last year. And that transition has been quite complex but now UPATI is thriving. The key issue is essentially sustainability. How do we move forward? We have a short window of opportunity, we have a bridging period, but then we need to make sure that we have UPATI in 2025, 2030, complementing everything that we do on patient engagement. And if I may, while I still have the floor, what I'd like to do is also talk about patient engagement per se, the link between patient education, patient engagement. The good news is there's a new project around the corner it's been approved by MI, IMI, it's called Paradigm, and it's focusing specifically on patient engagement. EPF has the privilege of co-leading the project. Many people in the room, including Nicolas and others, are, are involved in the project. And crucially, it's been co-led by FPA, the European Pharmaceutical Trade Association, which is essential to ensure the appropriate buy-in of all of FPA's members, ultimately, in what we achieve in paradigm. It's a short project, 13 months we'll have to, to really succeed. We'll be looking at the metrics of patient engagement. We'll be looking at the tools that are needed. We're looking at the processes that are needed, the frameworks that are needed, and also how to ensure systems readiness and buy-in from all of the players, not only patients and industry, but of course the regulators, the policy makers, and indeed, of course, the peers. So this is super exciting. We're really, really happy to be kicking this off to really ensure that patient engagement can be embedded effectively in medicines R&D. This is about responsible science, but again, has been mentioned a lot this morning already, it's about good business sense. It's not just a nice thing to do, patient engagement. It's not a cosy Sunday afternoon. Oh, let's think a little bit about patient engagement. It is a strategic imperative for anybody involved in medicines. And of course, we've got our eye on sustainability for this short, but really critical project. And we're looking at that right from the onset, also in harmony with initiatives like PFMD. Nicola is also very much involved, UPATI, but also other kindred spirit initiatives on patient engagement, also in the US. And it's actually highly complementary to some of the other work that EPF as an umbrella patient organisation is doing in another sphere that is, is actually quite related and, and also key to us. Meaningful patient involvement in health systems design and health systems strengthening. And again, the two go hand in hand. We can't move on patient engagement in the life cycle of medicines unless we get it right on meaningful patient involvement on how systems actually function to the benefit of patients. So those are my opening thoughts. Thanks for that, and thank you for your passion on that. We all appreciate it. On the advocacy side, and now hear me to you. I'm not going to cite what you said on the teleconference, um, but I very much liked it. And it was to the effect of saying that uh, Amy felt that there was a lot of self-congratulation within the pharmaceutical industry for their patient involvement, but she had a bit more critical view on it. Yeah. Was that fair? Yeah. Thank you very much for that introduction. Bettina, and um, 
to start off, um, I'm working in that area of patient group relations, patient engagement, however you name it, since almost 20 years, starting working as a pharmacist for a patient organization that at that time set up a patient-owned biobank. Um, so I was, let's say, educated by patient groups, and that really helps me a lot. And you know, sometimes I'm a bit tired, maybe I'm working too long in that area, because patient engagement, patient centricity, so that is something that is all around the place since a couple of years now. And the question is, do we now, so we have one million conferences on that, and da, 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 we are talking a lot. I know it is not easy to especially move big companies like the one I'm working for into the right direction, but the question is, when is the time that we really walk the talk? Uh, yeah. So, um, I would like to start with, a, with two questions to you. So we have here representatives from the industry and we have representatives from patients and patient organizations. So my first question aims to the representatives of the industry who are obviously at least interested in the topic or working on that topic. To say, well, my question to you is, does your company involve patients or patient group uh, representatives, whatever, so the entity of patients, systematically yeah, into the development of your medicines or services or whatever, meaning that there is a consistent process in place. Please raise your hands if you can answer this question with a yes. We systematically involve patients in the development of our medicines. Three. Four. Four. Great. Um, then I have a question to the patients or patient group representatives or patient representatives here in the room. Um, were you ever included in discussions around medicines development? And if so, did your insights really advise, your insights or advice uh, leave tangible results, meaning, yeah, did the company or institution you provide advice <coughs> to provide feedback to you on the impact of your input? Or was it just after the, the advisory board or whatever, say, thank you, your insights were super valuable, and they never got back to you what they did with your advice? So that, 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 is, that is what I realize very often. So did you, did you ever have the experience that the institution or company came back to you and said, you know, that was a very valuable insight. What we did with your insight and what we changed was A, B, C. Did that ha to, to, to whom of you did that happen? Ooh, one, two, three. Okay, thank you very much. And that is, that is already, so what, what, el what else should I say? So um, generally speaking, and to touch, to touch on that, so what we all see, and Tony elaborated on that in, in his slides, there is a growing need for evidence on patient-relevant benefit yeah, um, and patient-relevant value. Just to quickly uh, jump into that. So we had discussions, I remember, five or six years ago where we talked about PRO. You're all familiar with PRO, Patient Reported Outcomes. And I was always claiming to say, nice thing, we are going into the right direction. We just have to discuss the R in the O. Because I think patient reported outcome doesn't make sense at all. Because patients are happy to provide feedback and sometimes you get a questionnaire and you think, 
is that that well I'm happy to do that but it's not relevant to me so we, we should change it from patient reported outcome to, to re patient relevant outcome and that is the thing what it's all about and there is a growing need from institutions the EMA is working on that since ages the FDI is working on that as well HTA bodies more and more I was very involved in the setup of the German AMNOC in 2011 and it all dances around what is the patient relevant benefit Interestingly, nobody asks the patient because everybody knows better than the patient. But it is a lot of systems are now set up on the patient relevant benefits. So there is a growing need for that. And there is a limitation on resources. And the wise people that set up EU Party in, when was it set up, 2011 or something like that, they saw that already, that there might be a limitation in resources because if all of us are asking for patient input, we need skilled people. So there is a limitation in resources. Well, well, where does that lead to if we have a limitation in resources? Those people can select to whom they provide input and insights. Because patient groups nowadays get invitations to participate at patient ad boards or whatever on a daily basis. Huh? You could travel across the globe each and every day. So they select, and the selection, yeah, means that it will be, we, will, we from the industry will be competing for those resources, yeah? Which means that we have to have an effective engagement strategy with patients and we have to have lean processes as well. I think, Nicola, you will touch on that later today to say how can we establish processes that makes it easier for patients to contribute also to the industry. If I look into our contracts, yeah, we issue with patients, that is a big document still, yeah, <laughs> it is. The third point is patient engagement has to be, and we heard already a lot about that, has to be holistic and strategic. That was your question also to say, well, if I involve patients at a, at a specific stage of the medicine's development, how if I want to expand my market or however you call it, how to involve them? Well, the answer is easy and I think Tony answered that as well. Involve them early and involve them throughout the process and not, not go with, the, as I always call it, the cuckoo clock strategy. So we come out when we need something from the patients, then we go back again at a later, later stage and say, well, might be the patients could be of help again, facing problems in trial recruitment, the classic, and then we jump out again. Involve them holistically and strategically, yeah? Um, because, and very often, and we have that, Tony elaborated on that as well, with all of the big machines we have in the pharmaceutical industry, you have these <coughs> silos. And if I look at the people within our organization that work on the development of drugs, they are focused to bring drugs to the market as fast as possible and as cheap as possible. They don't care about whether any evidence they generate today, whether that might pay off at a later stage in discussions with payers or so, because their target audience are regulators. And as long as the regulators don't ask for a specific evidence, why should I generate rate it? It only makes my trial slower. Yeah. So to finalize with the question, what is needed also for the industry to become more patient-centered? And uh, it is, for me, these are three things. First of all, it always needs the senior management buy-in. And they really have to get to establish the mindset that it is business critical 
to include patients along the continuum of our medicine's life cycle, not only into the development, and it is not a feel-good exercise. The second point, I mentioned that already, an early and consistent engagement. I very much like a quote from Bettina, where she said, it's about doing the right things rather than doing things right. And the third one is the management of expectations. Be ready for critical comments and change requests. And not only present a full and elaborated clinical trial protocol and say, are you fine with that? And if the patient says, no, I'm not, yeah, then the answer is, oh, sorry about that, but that is now too late. We can't amend the protocol. <laughs> Manage expectations in the right way. And to finalize, and that is my, 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 my beloved quote in, uh, in, in the current situation, is we have to move patient engagement from tick box exercises, which it quite often are, to be honest, to a mutually beneficial collaboration. Thanks for that. Sorry, I went over time. Yes. I'm always getting so passionate about that. So, okay. In the interest of time, I think what we're going to do now is just like, I briefly summarize what I have taken out, and then we have enough time for everyone to have a short <laughs> take-home message. What do you think? I would like to hear from you where you see the next big thing to move us forward. Because from what I've heard from you is that Nicola made a very clear statement that the benefit of patient engagement is proven. So we don't want to hear any of this, what's the value of patient engagement discussions anymore, but now it's time to focus on the methodology and the metrics, and hopefully PFMD will help with that. Nothing will work without educated patients, and we need to have a smart strategy and a sustainable strategy in place because let's face it, we cannot just hangle from like two years to two years to two years. If we're serious about this, then we need a long-term sustainable education strategy for patient advocates. And last but not least, this is a big exercise in change management because from what you said, we have challenges with shortages and sustainability and you know there are not that many patient advocates mm -hmm. going around and while as Tony said we want to incorporate the patient perspective along the entire way that doesn't mean that we have to talk to each other all the time so there will be points that will be critical namely early on in the development and points that are maybe less critical and I personally believe that one needs a strategy of patient involvement is not just everywhere it's the most important points first and then go down, because that's actually where you, the slide you quoted that one about the right thing from, is something that we as patient organization have looked in, where from our position it is most strategic to invest our time. Time is limited, our resources are limited, so we want to sit in the places with the largest impact. And with that, one quick round, if you manage one sentence or two, um, and then we move to the next session, and please take the time over coffee, uh, because I'm sure there will be lots of questions and discussions afterwards. Nicola, now we start with you. <laughs> so, um, obviously, I've talked about the new project paradigm, which has enormous potential in my view. I think the challenge will be marrying what we aspire to do in paradigm with what we're doing with UPATI, with PFMD, with the other kindred spirit projects, and really co-creating something that makes sense, that everybody feels part of, and therefore everybody will implement at the end yeah. of the day. I think this is absolutely critical. The other couple of aspects, I think we still have a challenge with trust. We've made a lot of inroads, but trust and confidence across the spectrum, particularly with, with 
communities like, like the payers community, there's a lot of work still to do in that environment, and they are stakeholders. Um, and then the other piece is, I mean, we've said that one size doesn't fit all. There are a lot of groups that are vulnerable to social exclusion out there, a lot of patients that we're not yet reaching. Wouldn't it be marvellous if we could actually shift the bar there and include them in the next round? Thank you for that, Nicola. So at RN, uh, in PFMD, we have identified that actually there is a community of innovators and early adopters which is engaged in patient engagement. Um, but the main challenge is to go to the early majority, so the rest, <laughs> uh, so not the people in this room uh, normally. So I'm not part of the strategy when I'm sitting on, on this floor. So um, to do that uh, and to change the system, the the, the change management approach, uh, we will move to assessment and self-assessment of patient engagement so we can bring more and more quality aspect of it uh, and actually measure, can compare. And so actually we will be able to have not just small case uh, isolated but like a, com a comparison of all your compound portfolio as a pharma company or all your engagement with pharma companies as a patient engagement organization. Where do you see the challenge in that? Sorry? Where do you see the challenge in that? Because that was the question. So it's to get everybody on board of this assessment system that we will put together. Okay, thanks. Yemi? Well, with regards to the next step as well as the challenges, what I see, and, and you were introduced to, to Paradigm and, and PFND and EOPATI as well. So we are going into the right direction with regards to methodology, yeah, because it needs an alignment also across the industry with regards to methodology. So that is for sure we're going into the right direction. So I only can encourage all of you um, to work together in, in projects like this. And the other one is the internal challenge. And again, encourage people from the industry um, to reach out to senior management, get your buy-in on, 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 on that topic in order to also get the resources, that it is not a feel-good exercise. We are coming from that tradition. We provide donations, funding to patient organizations, and that's it. It's something that makes us feel good. It's a nice to have, but it's really a business-critical stakeholder. So we have to change the mindset internally. So these are the next Perfect. steps. I'm taking notes because I will be asked for a summary. Okay, with that... Thank you very much. I'm sorry that we don't have more time for discussion, but please take, let's take this over coffee. With that, I would like to hand over to Tony probably here again. We hope you enjoyed the presentation. The 2019 Patients as Partners Europe event will be on January 28th and 29th in London. For more information, visit theconferenceforum.org Again, that's theconferenceforum.org. Thanks for listening.